What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back into the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is the 50th episode of the Sidelines Podcast, and the featured guest is Maryland head coach, Mark Turgeon. Turgeon and I talked about Larry Brown, Danny Manning. He told a a great recruiting story that revolved around wrestling, and and then we jumped into his current team and even talked uh, a little recruiting, and it was a fun conversation. Before we get to that conversation, I want to make sure that you are subscribed to the Sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. You can do that over on Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. If you want to support this podcast, the best way for you to do that is to not only hit the subscribe button, but also give us a rating and a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. Now let's jump to that interview with Maryland head coach, Mark Turgeon. It's time to go with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in Maryland head coach, Mark Turgeon to the Sidelines podcast. Coach, thanks for taking the time out. How are you? I'm good, Evan. How you doing? I am I am doing well. It's a, a fun time of year. And uh, before we get into your team, who's who's won a handful of games in a row, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your past. And, and you played your college basketball at Kansas under Larry Brown. W- what was it like uh, playing for him? Well, I, I felt very fortunate to you know play at Kansas. Um, I grew up a Jayhawk fan, and and uh, it's a place I always was hoping I'd play. I wasn't sure I was going to be good enough, and then. There was a coaching change. Uh, Coach Brown came in uh, my freshman year, and thank God he was a little guy, so he gave me a chance. And um, it was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it. It meant more to me because I was a KU fan. I, 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 I thought I took a lot of pride in what I was trying to do. But, you know, I was lucky enough to play for a great coach. I was lucky enough to play on really, really, really good teams. And I had good players around me, which helped me play at that level. Um, so... It was great, great experience. Got to play in a Final Four. Um, got to coach in a couple Final Fours and coach in the national championship game, I guess. So pretty good experience. From, from your time, not only playing for him and also coaching under him, what's, what's been the most I'm, – I'm sure there's a bunch, but what's been one of the most important things or lessons or, that you've learned from him? Well, that when you're a coach, you're really just a teacher. And, um, you know, you're just constantly teaching guys and trying to get – try to motivate guys and and just try to make guys better and um that's what i learned from him he was one of those guys that every day was like christmas for him uh, you know coaching and and um and you know to be good at this you, ha- you have to constantly teach and and you gotta let guys know when they're you know six inches out of place they gotta get there so um that's probably what i learned from him and 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 just always trying to grow with the game never never you know the game there's the game's simple the game doesn't change but uh, a lot but there's parts of it that have over the years and just continue to try to learn and grow from it so after your college career you became an assistant uh, under brown at kansas and, and won a national championship your first year it feels pretty unique to go from playing with a group of guys to coaching them what, what was that experience like well <clears throat> it was something i was thinking about all through college I knew I was going to get into coaching. So, yeah, was it hard to um, coach guys that I played with? <clears throat> yeah, it was a little more difficult. I think the hardest thing for me was figuring out how to compete as a coach. I always knew how to compete as a player, um, but learn how to compete as a coach was a whole different thing. So I think that's really um, <clears throat> took me a 
two or three years to figure out how to do it. Um, and really those first few years, I was just kind of a sponge, right? Um, trying to learn as much as I could from, you know, I was stayed on with coach Brown for one year. Then Roy Williams came in. I was with him for four. So I learned a lot during that time and didn't have a lot of pressure on me. I wasn't a recruiting coach. Um, I was allowed to coach the JV team, uh, which was great. So I was able to take the things I was learning and, and put them on with my own team. So I felt very fortunate uh, to be in the position I was in. I wasn't making a lot of money, uh, but uh, it was uh, it was a great experience and really kind of shaped me into the coach that I am today, I think. What do you mean exactly by learn how to compete as a coach? Well, you know how to compete as a player. You right. keep trying harder and you work and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes as a coach, when especially when you're not the head coach, you're the assistant, you have to learn how to compete. And what I mean by that is making your guys better in practice and have a motivation to work with them every day and get up in the morning and, and do extra work and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, instead of just going through the motions, you had to learn how to compete. And because otherwise on game day, you're going to get your tail kicked. And um, so that, that was kind of it. And then, you know, once you got into recruiting, you know, that's, that's you know, really, you better compete or you're going to get your tail kicked uh, all the time. So you, you learn, you know, you go from a player to a coach it, it takes a while but it, it was good and and um i'd say year two or three i started to feel comfortable and learned how to compete a little bit better in coaching now you've coached some really good players in your day but you played and coached with a guy in, in danny manning that's had all types of accolades how does he compare with the best players that you've been around in the college game whether you played with them or or, or coached them in your coaching days yeah well you know danny was special um you know, he was on our Final Four team um, his sophomore year, uh, and then he really took it to another level. Um, my senior year, he was he was so fun to watch. He'd have like 25 at halftime, and he'd say, "All right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shoot this half." And I'd throw it into him, and he'd throw it back out, and I'd throw it back into him. I was like, "Danny, I'm not shooting. Coach Brown's gonna yell at me. You better shoot it." <laughs> and uh, I was always trying to get him to score more, but he was he was uh, an unselfish player. But he was special. He was. You know, he was six eight, six nine, six ten, whatever he was. He could really handle it. He could really shoot it. Really had a great feel for the game. And probably the best thing about Danny, he was just a great person, a great kid, and and uh, we had a lot of fun together, Danny and I, on and off the court. But um, terrific player. You know, number one pick. Had some knee problems. Made the All Star. Um, you know, one year uh, and tore. You know, had some uh, knee injuries that really slowed his career down. But had a great career and and um, was one of the all-time great, I think, college basketball players. Uh, especially with given the connection that you two have, I'm always curious about coaches and sharing ideas within the industry. I mean, is is he a, uh, a guy that you pick up the phone with and and can talk that type of stuff with? You know, we talk more on the road. I wouldn't say there's many guys in the business I do that with. Um, I do it with Coach Brown. I do it with Roy Williams. I do it with Tad Boyle. Um, I do it with Mark Few. Danny and I'll talk on the road. Um, he spent a lot of years with Bill Self, and um, you know, and I was never with Bill, but I think he offensively he does a lot of things that Bill used to do with the ball screen stuff. Um, but Danny and I have scrimmaged each other the last two years and just tried to learn a little bit more about our teams um, from the scrimmages. <clears throat> So I, I, you mentioned Tad Boyle, and I, I know um, he worked for you at Jacksonville State, and I heard an awesome story. I, I've got to get you to tell it. Uh, you guys went out recruiting, and you found out the player you were recruiting liked wrestling? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we lived in Alabama, and uh, uh, you know, Tad Tad came blind faith. I think I was paying him about eighteen thousand a year. I was supposed to get him a courtesy car, but I didn't get it for him. He just had his first baby, and uh, we were just, you know, trying to make it. And there was a kid um, that loved all-star wrestling, so, you know, he had to learn the all-star wrestling guy's names. I'd call him right after, you know, the wrestling ended on Thursday night or wherever night it was. And he had this guy who liked Stone Cold Steve Austin that he loved. So we went into the home. Back then we wore ties into the home and jackets and – and um and Alabama and Mark Godfrey had just been in there. And I was like, dang, I thought we were going to get this kid. And then Godfrey was in there. So I, uh, underneath our coat and tie, we had a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt on. So I started talking about, hey, did you see that last night? Did you see Stone Cold? And I started ripping my coat off and I started <laughs> taking my tie off. And I think I ripped my buttons on my shirt and I had a Stone Cold shirt on. And his dad went crazy. He's like, hey, y'all, get out of here. Coach Turgeon's got Stone Cold Steve Austin on, you know. And so it was a big hit. Uh, we ended up getting the kid. Uh, Josh Bryan had a good career for us at uh, Jacksonville State. Had a great career there. And so things you do to get players. I'm guessing that's probably the most unique thing you've done from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, yeah. We've done a lot of crazy things over the years. But um, now it's more just presentations. You know, give give a presentation. But I thought I was probably 33 at the time. Young, full, piss and vinegar. And... Um, and, I, and it worked. It worked for us. So it was, it was a good in-home. Now, before you took that uh, first head coaching job at Jacksonville State, you spent a year in the NBA with the 76ers. How much did that experience help you uh, grow as a coach? I loved it. Um, I went from a college coach. I'd been away from Coach Brown for nine years. Um, and just to get back with him was great. Uh, it was a different game. It was taught a little bit different. Um but you talk about no pressure. I was like the sixth assistant, sat behind the bench. I did a little bit of everything, did you know, some advanced scouting, um, game scouting, film work, whatever they needed. But mostly what I did was individual improvement. And that was back 21 years ago when it was just becoming a thing. Tim Gergovich was kind of big in it. He was at the Seattle Supersonics at the time. And so I'd watch him and try to learn from him. And, and um you know, it was a big part of my early coaching, you know, taking it from the NBA, taking it to college and trying to make guys better. Because my first jobs were Jacksonville State, which was 308 out of 309. Wichita State was 286 in the RPI when I took it. And um, so you had to have jobs where you had to make guys better. And um, so that experience in the NBA really helped me. It was just great to be around the great players and the great coaches and live that life for one year. Um, it was terrific. Coach Brown was really good to me. Learned a lot. Uh, learned probably a lot more about ball screen defense and rotations and double teams. That wasn't a big part of the college game at the time. I bet you walked out of there with some pretty good Allen Iverson stories as well. Yeah, and I won't get into those. But I, I could I could talk about Allen Iverson, you know, and I loved Allen. I mean, I loved him. He was so competitive, and uh, he was he was fun to be around. He was a hell of a player. And they're all good stories. They're all great stories uh, about Allen. But he he was he was terrific, and the, he kind of gets misconstrued. He was he was so good to kids because he was a kid, you know, when we coached him. And right. everywhere we went, every arena we went in, you'd see Allen Iverson jerseys, white kids, black kids, Asian. It didn't matter. They all had them. And uh, I've never seen anything like it. We were in Vancouver. We were in L.A. We were in Philadelphia. We were in Atlanta. The 
the most jerseys in that building every night was Allen Iverson jerseys. And he was always great to the kids, always gracious uh, to the kids. And, you know, he was one hell of a player. Well, let's fast forward to your time in Maryland. You're in you know, the midst of your seventh season, uh, sitting at 10-3. and three. What do you like about this year's group? Well, we're getting better. Um, gosh, when you play so many games in such a quick time, and then we had the two league games, I don't, I'm not sure any of us were getting any better. We were just going from one game to the next, and I think we were actually probably getting worse um, because we started the season pretty well. Uh, we lost some close games. <clears throat> we lost um, by two, by two, and by five. And we're used to winning those games, and we didn't win them. And so we we're kind of growing, uh, but we're young. You know, our best lineup late in games, we're playing three sophomores and two freshmen. And, um, but I think we've been over the break here, been able to create a little bit depth. Uh, we had some injuries. We had some guys sick. And uh, we're all getting healthy again uh, heading into Christmas, which I think will be great. Um, uh, and for me personally, this last week's been good because I felt like we were way behind. We weren't together this summer uh, at all. And we had some injuries in the preseason, and I felt like we just really got behind. So I feel like we're catching up a little bit. And um, uh, so I, I'm more comfortable and sleeping a little bit better as we head into Christmas. <laughs> you mentioned playing those two league games early. Was that different, weird for, for you to play league games that early in the season? It was weird, but it was intense. Um, it was no different. Um, and, uh, of course, we got Purdue, which went on a summer tour for about a month. And, they, I mean, they were running their offense at uh, February level. I mean, they had all their plays in. It was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, they played well that night. They really shot it well. They played well. And they jumped on us. And I was, it was crazy to have a shot to tie it with 18 seconds to go. I couldn't believe how well we hung in there and, 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 and stayed with it. And then we had a big road game. The good thing was is we had a home game in league where our fans were here, our students were here, and that's going to help us this year. I think we're only going to have three games this year that our students aren't going to be here, uh, which is difficult when it gets to league, but it's the way it's going to be in the Big Ten. We're going to go to 20 league games next year, so we'll play two before Christmas again next year and 18 the year after, So or 18 after Christmas. So it's the way it's going to be, and um, just hope you play well. We are lucky enough to get a split, and um, – you know, so we're still in things heading into you know heading into the new year. You, you mentioned those three sophomores and, and two freshmen, and uh, th- those five guys are your your leading scorers. It, it seems like those guys bring so much energy and toughness to the table. Just based on how young those guys are, how excited are you about the future of guys like Daryl Morcel and and Bruno Fernando? Yeah, I'm real excited. You know, in the old days, you'd you know we we would would not only be playing for this year, we'd be playing for next year. But things have changed so much. You know, kids kids leave, kids move on, even when they're not shouldn't. And uh, so it's hard to get too excited. But I am excited about our our young core. Um, you know, the three sophomores had tremendous freshman year. I think Kevin really starting to find his niche. Justin had one of his best games at Illinois. He's gotten a little bit. Uh, banged up. He, we set him out for a couple games. He's practicing well now. He seems to be healthy. Um, so, you know, we're counting on him. But Daryl and Bruno are just tough, tough kids beyond, you know, their years maturity-wise uh, and, you know, physicality-wise. Um, so they've been good, and they're getting better, and the game's slowing down for them a little bit. Um, and I got a good feel for what we have. And then I got guys like Dan Wiley that I think is going to have a great – rest of the year. Checo's really coming on. He's, you know, he was hurt most of last year, so he's starting to play better. Even Bender's starting to find his niche again. So 
I, f- I feel good. Jared Nickens, you know, I feel good about you know some of our upper class and that they can really help us, you know, moving forward. The the one guy we haven't talked about's been the guy that's been your best player. Uh, Anthony Cowan, he's been tremendous this year, averaging nearly 16 points a game, four and a half assists. What makes him so effective on the court? Well, he's just a tough kid, and he thinks he's the best player on the court, and that's you know that's half the battle. So, yeah, he's been terrific. He shot it well. Uh, he didn't shoot it well a couple games before Christmas. I think it was more who we were playing uh, than him. And um, uh, you know, he's just been great. He's been great defensively. He's been great sharing the ball. He's got a great feel for our offense. He's turned into a real point guard. Not a, even though he scores, he's still a real point guard. Um, unfortunately, he got sick. Um, he'll play Thursday. He got strep throat, so which probably a blessing in the end. It's good that he could rest his legs a little bit over Christmas break here uh, as we head into the new year. But he he's been terrific. You know, prior to Cowan, you had a guy at the at that position, a Mellow Trimble, that could really score. Um, similar to him, how do you compare those two guys? You you coming across uh, you know back to back really good guards. Yeah, local kids. That's why we took the job here. You know to keep the best local guards home and play for Maryland, help us do great things. But Mello was more of a scoring point than, um, than Ant. Ant probably passes a little bit better than Mello. Mello was terrific in ball screens, and he was a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. He could you know, make contacts and get three-point plays. But the one thing Ant's done a great job of is getting to the foul line. He's done a terrific job at that this year, uh, drawing contact. He's, he's good at, the, at doing that. So they're different. Um, you know, I think Ant's a little bit more of a point guard at this stage than, than Mello was his sophomore year. But man, Mello turned our program around, and you know, it's it's made things you know really good around here because of the career that he had for us. You have five players shooting better than thirty-eight percent from three, uh, and as a whole, your team is shooting nearly forty percent from three. How much do you value as a coach shooting when you when you're going out and recruiting guys right now? Well, there are not a lot of them, as you know. You're out there all the time with us, Evan. And they're hard to find, um, <clears throat> but we re- recruit that, and um, we might have recruited too much of it um, at times. And I think you still need the guys, the, the tough guys, the guys. Not that shooters are all soft, because they're not. But I think we've been able to get some shooters with a little bit of toughness. But we value it. We want to spread the floor uh, as best we can. We don't want to be just a three-point shooting team. We want to be able to play inside out also. But it's something we definitely look for. I think it's an easier it's easier to be a coach when you got guys that can spread the floor for you. So we have some really good shooters on our team, really good shooters on our team. And I think I think we're just kind of figuring it out. I think, you know, moving forward we're going to have more and more guys be able to stretch the floor. We actually have some big guys that can shoot it uh which can help us stretch the floor. We're getting a little bit more offense in, so I think um we can be a little more dynamic uh heading into the new year. I think one area for for improvement with your current group is with turnovers. How do you address that type of issue in practice? Yeah, it's been tough, you know, and it's like free throw shootings. You know, do you talk about it when it's not going well? You just practice it. So, you know, I went into this year, it was like my team's not going to turn the ball over. So we were running for every turnover in practice, and I think it kind of backfired on me. Um, and, And then it became contagious. And we've had turnovers like I've never seen before. It's just like, did we really just do that? I mean, did that just happen? A uh, guy tripping, you know, when a pass is being thrown to him. It's just, it's just been comical at times. But there has been games we've been really good. <clears throat> and we're getting better in practice, you know. Uh, I think we're getting a little bit more comfortable with our, 
with our offense, a little bit comfortable with each other, and um, it's got to improve. It's, it's improved in practice. Our last few games have improved. But, yeah, that's that, and I think just toughness and rebounding is the two areas that we just have to get better at um, as we head into the Big Ten. Now, I wanted to ask you about your 2018 recruiting class. You signed uh, three players, Jalen Smith, Aaron Wiggins, and Eric Ayala in that early signing period. It's a really good group, and I, I had a chance to watch Jalen Smith and, and Aaron Wiggins play uh, last week at the National Hoop Festival, and, and they were tremendous. Uh, wh- what do you like the most about that group? Well, they fit in. They fit in the way I coach. They fit in character-wise, personality-wise. And uh, they're good players. All three of them are really good players. And, you know, guys that we recruited really hard, Jalen for five years, Eric Ayala for three or four years, um, Aaron Wiggins really hard, you know, start of his junior year we were on him. Fell in love with him the first time I saw him. I went down in, in North Carolina and saw him. I said, that's the guy I want to Keith. I and mean, we just never let up on him. So, um, we love him. Uh, I think Aaron's a really special offensive player. I think once he gets strength, um, he can score at all levels. He can get his own shot. Sticks is a special, special athlete. Um, can do it all, block shots, shoot the three, score from the foul line, get stronger. He can score on the block at this level. He does it in high school. Um, good feel, great kid. I think he's only had a couple Bs in his whole whole life. Uh, and then Eric Hall is an older, mature kid that just wants to win and do things the right way. And everywhere he goes, his teams win. So I said, I want that guy to be a part of our program. So we feel like we're off to a good start in this class. We were hoping to add a couple more pieces. We came up a little short on a couple guys. So, you know, going into the uh, the spring here, we'll hopefully add a, a piece or two. Well, last question, Coach, before I let you go. It's kind of been a staple of my podcast. I like to ask guys, if they weren't coaching, what would you be doing career-wise? Uh, I would do something with teaching. I've always said that I like being around kids. I I, I like I, I I like you know teaching and doing different things. So that's really kind of been my answer up until this point. Might be different, you know, five years from now. But I think just being around young people, having a positive influence on our life. That's really what I like more than anything. And I feel like it's our job as coaches. You bring them in as young men. They got to leave as a man. And we have to get them ready for the real world. A lot of our guys aren't going to play in the NBA. We got a lot of guys that play for money for 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 a number of years, but they got to you got to get them ready. And I think that's really the biggest challenge and the thing that I like to do the most. So if I wasn't coaching, it would be something in that area to help young men become men. Mark, I appreciate you taking out the time and uh, in the middle of the season and jumping on the podcast. Thanks, man. You bet. All right, Evan. Thanks for having me on, bud. Thanks, coach. I appreciate you. This is Sean Miller. The Arizona Wildcats for the first time in 13 years win the Pac-12 tournament. And you're listening to The Sidelines with Evan Daniels. I'd like to once again thank Maryland head coach Mark Turgeon for taking the time out in the middle of the season and jumping on the Sidelines podcast. Now I want to get to a pair of questions from Twitter and then I'm going to talk a little Trey Young before I let you guys go. I'm going to start with Goodfellas 452 and he asks, what's the latest 
on Mitchell Robinson. And as you might remember, Mitchell Robinson is the uh, uh, the five-star prospect that opted not to go to college. He is sitting out the year. He was originally committed and, and signed to go to Western Kentucky, uh, but instead he opted to sit out this year and, and is preparing in his own way. I, I talked to a source uh, very close to the Mitchell Robinson situation, and he gave me kind of a brief update. Uh, he said he's been training with a professional basketball trainer four days a week uh, doing basketball drills and and, and shooting drills and and all that kind of stuff and then four days a week he is also doing strength speed and agility I've been told that he's picked up a couple pounds and his body is starting to develop he is he is doing those workouts in Dallas Texas and that's where he spent a majority of his time since he opted not to go to college he is back in Louisiana for the holidays right now but uh, he is doing those workouts and spending uh, his, his time in Dallas preparing for next year's NBA draft. He's obviously a a tremendous long-term prospect. There's there's going to be questions uh, about him uh, choosing to go a different route and him, you know, backing off his pledge to Western uh, a couple different times. Uh, but there's no denying his immense talent and his ability. He has tremendous size, length, athleticism, mobility, very good shot blocker, rim protector, um, with with a lot of tools. So it's a it's a situation that uh, we'll continue to follow, and uh, he's certainly an intriguing player. And I'm curious to see how. Uh, uh, NBA scouts handle that one as, as they won't really get to see him play until workouts start uh, once guys can begin declaring for the NBA draft. Another question in from at JHNN Sports, and his question was, how do you see the Kentucky 2018 recruiting class finishing up? Now, this is obviously a, a really good group for Kentucky. They've got three commitments right now. Uh, Keldon Johnson is one of them, uh, a, a big wing that's athletic and aggressive. Emmanuel Quickly, one of the best point guards in the country out of uh, Baltimore. And then Tyler Hero, a really good scorer uh, out of uh, Milwaukee. So they've got three perimeter players committed. And, and right now, Kentucky only has one scholarship offer out. That offer is to the number three player in America, Zion Williamson. He has an offer from Kentucky. He's also considering a host of other schools, Carolina, Duke, Kansas, South Carolina, Clemson. Zion is, has held his cards close to his vest. Uh, I don't think at this point he knows where he's going to college. Um, so Kentucky has an offer out to him. Uh, the only other guys they're really cr- recruiting is Moses Brown. They've shown some interest there, but they haven't uh, uh, they haven't offered him a scholarship yet. And, and he's really the only other guy that they appear to be actively um, even dabbling with. Now, I think Kentucky would like to add a post player to this class. So it wouldn't surprise me to see that list of offers grow at some point if um, you know, there's always movement in the spring and there'll be guys opening things back up. So I'm sure that they'll be playing that market or looking for a graduate transfer. But I think they would certainly like to add a big man to their 2018 recruiting class. I wanted to close and talk a little bit about Trey Young. He's arguably the um, one of the hottest players in all of college basketball. You could probably make a case that uh, he's been as productive as anyone and, and is certainly in the running for player of the year right now, averaging 28.8 points a game, 8.9 assists a game. This is a kid that coming out of high school was, was ranked number 25 overall, so he's obviously surpassed early expectations. Obviously, we knew he was really good. He was ranked very high. Uh, this was a kid in high school that could really score the basketball 
I think what's been the most impressive about Trey Young is how his game has translated. And usually there's an adjustment period when you move up a level. Trey Young bypassed the adjustment period. He, he has been so good with the ball in his hands, and he's quick, he's crafty, he's creative, he keeps defenders off balance. I think an area he's really improved since high school is his decision-making especially out of the pick and roll. You know, I watched all of his clips from his last two games, and uh, when when defenders are blasting the ball screen, he's making really good reads, really good decisions. Uh, He's using and utilizing his middle game, his floater, his creative finishes around the basket, the high glass finishes, and he's shooting the ball at a high level. He's made 33 threes already this season, shooting 38% from that stripe, and he showed tremendous range. And I, I think you have to give him credit. And you know, he he made a really good college choice. Oklahoma has put the ball in his hands uh, from the beginning, and, and they've let him go. And he's really excelled. And uh, tip, hats off to Trey Young. He, he's been absolutely tremendous this this college season. I think he's shown improvements in his decision making. I think he's being uh, more efficient and he's played as well as anyone in the country and you know when you average 29 points and and nearly eight assists a game you're doing something right and uh, Trey Young's starting to get some buzz among NBA executives as well I've had a couple of them mention him to me as of late this is a guy that wasn't wouldn't have been expected to to be a one and done player but I think you have to start talking about that and uh, he's starting to get some buzz so uh, Trey Young has been absolutely tremendous this college season Before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you are supporting this Sidelines podcast. You can do that over on Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit that subscribe button for me. You can also support the podcast by leaving a rating and or a review. Thanks for listening and have a great week.